0: plushcare.com slash weight loss hello and welcome to everything iconic with me danny pellegrino we have so many housewives to talk about we have atlanta we have orange county which orange county gave us both the finale and the first part of the reunion really I mean, that finale, I thought was good. I enjoyed the finale. Tamara hid in a bush. Shannon even gave us a different voice than we've heard before. I mean, I don't know if you guys caught it when they were at Vicky's, uh, her party. Shannon said, everyone, please help yourself out to the buffet. And I've never heard Shannon's voice like that. Everyone, please help yourself to the buffet. It was just a new Shannon voice. You know, I'm used to Shannon being like, it's not my play, you fucking bitch! <laughs> Ack! That's what I'm used to with Shannon. And she debuted a new voice. It was like a very subdued, everyone, please help yourself out to the buffet. (laughs) It was weird coming out of Shannon. Everyone, please help yourself to the buffet. Uh, Anyway, we also had on The Real House's New Jersey. Nono drank hot sauce straight from the bottle out of the fridge. And it wasn't very sanitary. And it was very odd. I rewound it six times. I said, did he just do that? Or am I seeing things? Turns out he did it. He really was just chugging hot sauce. And uh, to be honest with you, who among us hasn't? Every once in a while, you need some sriracha, you pour it straight down your throat. It is what it is. I don't know if I've ever done that. I like, I'll pour sriracha or some hot sauce on anything, but I don't think I've ever poured it directly down my throat. But maybe I'll try it next time I'm sick. And then what else? On the Real House of Dallas, we had the finale, which was, eek, ooh, it was bone chilling, I thought. I was so happy that Cameron finally stuck up for Carrie and confronted Leanne about what she was saying about Carrie. Too many K-names on this this show. I feel like I'm mixing them up. Or Carrie's, Cameron's. Uh, But I was happy that Cameron confronted Leanne. But it was chilling to watch. I don't know that last 10-15 minutes of it, you guys. Woo! Woo! Woo Woo-ack! I was shocked. I was shocked. Anyway, so we'll... Oh, and speaking of last 15 minutes, the last 15 minutes of The Real Houses of New Jersey, I was in a fetal position crying in tears because that stuff about Adriana, I mean, uh, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, we have so much to talk about. Uh, Before we get into Housewives, I want to say this will be the last main episode of Everything Iconic of 2019. So I will be going on vacation. I'm headed home to Ohio. I'm going to be visiting family in Cleveland. And uh, we'll be back in the new year. Vanderpump Rules starts in the new year. I'm very excited. We'll be diving into Vanderpump Rules when it starts up, but this will be the last main episode of 2019. Thank you all for listening. Now, while we're here, I have to say in the new year, I'm going to be doing a little tour. So I mentioned this on the show last week. If you're in one of the cities that I'm coming to, I really hope you'll come out to the show, get a ticket. Uh, I'm going to be in DC, Philly, Chicago, San Francisco, Atlanta, and Dallas. So if you're in one of those cities or nearby, come see me the tickets are going really, really fast. So if you're on the fence, uh, there's just a few tickets left at each of the venues. So DC is completely sold out, unfortunately. Um, and then the others, there's limited tickets available. So please, please go to everythingiconic.com, click on the live shows tab at the top of the page, and you'll see all the links for the tickets there. I hope to see as many of you as possible. I'm so excited, Vanderpump Rules will be airing, so we'll be recapping that. I'm already on the brim of freaking out. Rony might even be airing, so we might recap that. I gotta say to you guys, I saw the Vanderpump Rules season premiere, and I think it's great. I'm like so excited about the new people. I feel like it's gonna be I feel like it's gonna be fresh. Although there's like a million fucking cast members on that show now. I when I watched the premiere, I was like, there's a million cast members. A million. They didn't get rid of nobody, they just brought a ton of people on. <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people. Anyway, uh, I'm so excited to like dive into that new season. Uh, so come see me on tour. Come, come, come. Please, please, please. And then what else? Oh, I have to also mention that the spinoff podcast, A Very Merry Iconic Podcast, will be doing a couple little treats over the holidays. So if you want those, I think there'll be like one or two new episodes of that over the holidays. So check that out in a separate feed. Just look up a very merry iconic podcast. We're doing like one more recap, and I think maybe an, an interview, so you can see those on that separate feed over the holidays. What a year though! two thousand and nineteen has been such an incredible year, and I thank you guys who have been listening and sharing with friends and all of that stuff um, I can't why did I just say dat all that stuff you guys <laughs> does anyone have that app on your phone called time hop it's this app where connects to, like, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, all of your social media stuff, and it'll tell you, like, what you posted on this day in years prior. So, like, on December 15th, it'll show you what you posted on social media on December 15th of 2015, of 2014. And it goes all the way back, right? Well, it's so cringeworthy if you have it connected to your Facebook because it shows you, like, your Facebook status updates. And my god, it's so... Every time I open it, I, like, can't read the Facebook status updates from like 2010, because they're triggering, honestly. And speaking of the holidays, anytime I would like go home, uh, or go visit Cleveland or Chicago or anywhere, my status update would be like, if you're in Chicago, get at me. And I was always saying like, get at me. which <laughs> Like never say in real life, but on Facebook. Apparently, uh, circa 2010, I said it every time I went somewhere. Anytime I went to a New City it was like, get at me. Hey Baltimore, I'll be in you, get at me I mean it's cringy I don't say that in real life, I don't say get at me I was doing so much fucking get at me work On Facebook in the early aughts It was just so uncomfortable To view, oh my god Anyway that app is otherwise fun But you guys, we have to talk about The Real Housewives of Atlanta I pass this thing like every day And I'm always like, who the hell is riding it Now I'm one of those people riding it With a hook in one hand and a henny in the left Wait, am I right <laughs> I'm tra- I don't know, I'm not super into Atlanta right now, but I'm excited for all the women to kind of get together more. I feel like Nini's on the outskirts right now, and I don't understand it. She says in interviews that she was working out her contract negotiating it, but I need her to be around. I'm tired of harping on this, but we need Nini around or get off the show. one of the two one of the two. uh we open with some good new music. The lyrics were I- I'm coming back i'm c- I'm coming back stronger. That was not, I wasn't trying to stutter there. That was like the, the song. It was like, I, I, I'm coming back stronger. <laughs> then we see Kenya arrive at Lake Bailey. Cynthia needs to clean out her closet. And this felt shady to me because it was like we had all that NeNe closet stuff last season. So I think Cynthia knew what she was doing. I gotta say, Cynthia's green dress and curly wig confessional look, it shocked me. And Cynthia never shocks me because she's the kind of like the queen of reinventing her looks in these confessionals. But that curly wig and the green dress confessional, I was like, I could not believe it. Could not believe it. So then Cynthia also talks about Kenya's breasts quite a bit. And uh, like I said, these women, even when there's not drama, they're still fun. Cynthia said that Kenya's titties have taken over her body. And that's enough comedy for me. (laughs) Even if nothing else happened in the episode, Cynthia talking about and I quote, Kenya's titties taken over her body is enough to entertain me like that was worth the episode. So then they start talking about Marlowe and Kenya says that Marlo's 2nd sucking an 80 year old dick. Excuse my French. These are the storylines. So <laughs> apologize if you're listening to with kids in the room. Um, but that's something that Kenya also uh, said about Marlowe. Apparently Marlowe is still that's always something that's been alleged on the show is that Marlowe always with these old men. And apparently it's still happening, according to Kenya. Who knows? TBD. But you guys, Marlo in this episode, and the whole season, really, she's had way more storylines and way more screen time than Nini. And I, at this point, feel like we need to just give Marlo a peach. I almost feel bad for some reason. Like, give her a peach. She's on the show so much. She's on it so much. So then we cut to Candy, who's at home. Riley calls Candy from her new... Uh, million-dollar apartment in the big city, in the Big Apple. (laughs) She asked Candy if Candy will buy her this Fendi shirt for almost $200. And Candy does hang up. And I was proud of Candy for hanging up. But uh, look, Riley, we need you to learn some money lessons, Riley. She's 16 years old. She's living in this gorgeous apartment, and she's getting Fendi. I mean, my mom would take me to Marshalls, and I wouldn't even get to pick out anything. Linda P... If I needed some clothes, I usually got hand-me-downs from my brothers. Now, I have two older brothers. One of them is much shorter than I am, and then the other one were the same height. But it didn't matter. My mom would give me the shorter ones' clothes or the bigger ones' clothes. Whatever clothes uh, they had that they were getting rid of, that's what I got. I didn't get to like, go into Fendi and be like, Hey, ma, like get me some of this Fendi. I wish I could. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm just jealous. Maybe I'm jealous of, uh, of Riley. Um, meanwhile, Carmen shows up, which we haven't seen Carmen in a while. And it reminded me of when Mama Joyce called Carmen and left her voicemail. Remember that? I miss those days. I'm missing Mama Joyce, especially as I'm turning on Todd. I'm like really missing Mama Joyce. I feel like we need her around. We need her to just like slap some sense into Todd, uh, figurative, metaphorically, because I'm not liking Todd this season at all. He needs to cool it. And even Candy, we're starting to see cracks in the relationship. Candy says that he bought a tractor trailer. And he's trying to open all these businesses. And Todd needs to cool it. They have a new baby on the way. Candy says that she's getting less ambitious with the kid coming. And then she reveals that Riley don't even really like Todd. And I thought, same Riley. Me too. Maybe maybe Mama Joyce was right from the get-go. Maybe she was right from the beginning. Because I am not liking Mr. Todd. Mr. Todd is not... I don't know why I'm calling him Mr. Todd, but I'm not liking Mr. Todd these days. I'm turning on him. So then uh, we cut to Portia and Marlo hanging out. Oh my god. Oh my god. Well, first of all, the song, like the transitional song, is something about like, she rides up and down that pole like, whoa. <laughs> and then it was like Portia and Marlo on the outdoor bicycle or whatever you call it, where they like pedal and then have hookah and get hot dogs or something. It was like a really weird transitional song. But I'm loving the transitional music work, truly. And also, speaking of designer clothing, Portia was wearing that Versace hat with a Fenty top. Loved it. Five stars. I could have watched this scene forever, those two pedaling around town. I could have watched it forever. When Gary from Dish Nation drove up in the Versace next to them driving around in that whatever you call it, what do you call that thing they were driving on? I don't know, but when Gary from Dish Nation rode up next to him, it was the most joy I've ever seen on screen. And that includes other programs. I have never seen so much happiness. Remember on that show on ABC when they would like give poor people new houses? Remember that? Um, Extreme Home Makeover? They would reveal it and then that guy, that really annoying guy, would be like, move that bus. And then they would move the bus and the people would like get so excited. I feel like that's. What it was like when I was just seeing Portia and Marlowe see their friend Gary from Dish Nation. That was the excitement at level I got, even more than that. That show, by the way, remember it was like ABC, like didn't pay for their tax taxes or something like that. <laughs> the people end up getting fucked over in the end. It was like they got all those big houses, but then they were stuck with the mortgage. Ah, uh, can't write that shit. I can't write it. I wonder where they're all at now. That happened on Oprah too. Remember, Oprah gave people like refrigerators and make in Macon, Georgia, and then they had to pay taxes on all the free goods. And then a lot of them couldn't pay taxes on the goods. I mean, that is some crazy shit. That's some 90s shit. That's not happening these days. <laughs> Talk shows aren't just giving out refrigerators and cars. They've learned, they've wised up. Um, yeah, but so they see Portia and Marlo see Gary and they're like, Yes, honey, with a Versace top and the top down. Yes. They were so excited, and I was so happy. Uh, And then Portia and Marlo talk about Portia's relationship with Nini. Marlo says, what did Michelle Obama say when they go low? And then Portia responds with, my name is Portia fucking Williams. It ain't Michelle Michelle Obama. And then she reveals she was hurt by Nini, and uh, I get it. We see Nini and Greg at home. They're having cocktails. The doorbell rings, I want to just point something out. And I rewound this a few times too, and maybe I somehow misunderstood it. But the doorbell rang, and then Greg said, and I quote, and he said this in a very serious tone, every time I hear that sound, somebody's at the door. And isn't that what a doorbell is, Greg? I I love Greg, but it seemed to me like he was maybe confused. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was being sarcastic and funny. I rewound it a few times, and it didn't seem that way to me. It was seemed in earnest that the doorbell rang and Greg said, Every time I hear that sound, somebody's at the door. And I just said, No shit, Greg. No shit. No shit. Of course someone's at the door and the doorbell rings. No shit. (laughs) What do you think's going to happen when the doorbell rings? Nobody going to be there? I mean, I know that happens when somebody delivers a package. Sometimes they ring the doorbell, leave a package. Maybe that's what he was referring to. But honestly, Greg, the doorbell rang and someone was there. No shit. No shit. No shit. Anyway, then Tamara, Nene's life coach, comes. We do see some flashbacks of Nene losing her cool. We see that fight with Kim on the tour bus, which was flawless TV. Flawless TV. Uh, I want to talk about something that hasn't been on the show, and that's Nene's relationship with Wendy Williams. They're very close in real life, and I would like uh, Wendy Williams to appear on this program. Maybe she will, but I just would like that, because I don't know. Nini's telling the uh, life coach, too, that she don't know if she wants to go on the girls' trip. Nini, this is a cast trip. We need you there. You got to clock in and then go on the trip. We can't be having this. What is this? These OGs in general. I love these shows and I love these OGs. Nini's given us flawless TV and we need to respect her history. But on these shows when the OGs think that they run it or can do whatever they want, these shows are meant to be ensembles. They're not meant to just be one-star shows. And naturally, of course, there's breakout stars that happen. But I don't need Nini to just go on the trip. No questions asked. So then, um, let's see. Portia and Marlo, they go inside the hot dog factory, and they FaceTime Dennis. Oh, I fucking hate Dennis. Oh, I fucking hate him. Fucking hate him. Going back to Candy, we learn a little bit about Todd and Kayla. They're not speaking very much. Kayla, meanwhile, is wearing a hat that said, Live in La Vida Broca, and I really respected that. I need more Kayla, more Ace and more more <laughs> and less of Riley. <laughs> I love Riley, but she don't want to be on TV. She's not made for the cameras, but Kayla and Ace Ace is made for a camera. If there was ever a little boy that was made to be in front of a camera, I mean, let's get him in front of a camera. So then let's see we see uh we see Cynthia talking to Mike Hill. And they're talking about this recording. She's with Eva and Eva's husband. And Eva says that Nini records everything. She likes to record. Eh, I'm kind of over the storyline. If they're not going to play the recording, then enough. Taylor Armstrong, enough. They're talking about too much. Then we cut to Kenya at her lawyer. And it's revealed that Mark is not does not have power of attorney over Kenya. There's no prenup. It's really fucked up. And Kenya says she's worried about Brooklyn. It did make me LOL when Kenya was crying behind the purse. But I can't tell if Kenya is has crocodile tears or if she just cries like that. Like every time Kenya's crying, I'm like, are those real is that real or is this just fake? And it is confusing to me because she was a beauty queen, so I feel like beauty queens are trained to be like always put together, but now Kenya's job is to like always be not put together on a reality show. And so It's interesting to me. Even when Kenya was on Watch What Happens Live, I feel like you can see her beauty training. Like She doesn't use a lot of likes or ums when she's speaking, which we all do. It happens. But beauty queens, they're trained to kind of get rid of those ticks or to always keep themselves put together. So sometimes when Kenya's crying and it looks so fakey, I can't tell if it is genuinely fake or if... It's just like the beauty training or something, or I don't, maybe I'm looking too much into it. Anyway, then we see Portia and Dennis at the counselor. I fucking hate Dennis. And he showed up in that tracksuit as if he was Aunt Sassy from the comeback. What was going on in that tracksuit? And he looked like he was sleeping the whole time. I was like, open your eyes, Dennis. You're on TV and you're in a counseling session. If you were just doing one of those two events, you should have your eyes open wide. You know, your wife's ready to leave you or she already left you and your eyes are half asleep, uh, and that's not a reason to be half asleep. Your wife's leaving you. Open the eyes. Or uh, even if they weren't counseling, he's on TV, he's on camera. Open your eyes. I mean, come on. Sleeping in that fucking tracksuit. And then he's like blaming Portia postpartum, and fuck you. Ugh, gross. I was so pissed at Dennis. And I'm rooting for Portia, but now they're back together, and I'm just not okay with it. I'm not. These men on these shows, these men on Bravo, continue to disappoint us. Not all of them. I don't want to give them such a bad rap, because there's a lot of gems on this show. I think, look, it, we have Captain Lee, stud of the sea. We have Mike Craigie from Southern Charm. I think he's a genuinely nice man. We have some bright spots, but I'm very upset with this Dennis and his fucking Aunt Sassy tracksuit. mm I don't need to see that. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, then the episode ends, and we see a preview for next week that left me shook. And the reason it left me shook is because we have a new narrator on this show doing the preview narration, and that sounded like it was maybe Mike Hill. But I'm not sure of that. And even if they are getting engaged in next week's episode, I don't think we need a new narrator. Ah, these are housewife shows. I don't need one of the men popping in to do the narration. What's next? Greg Leakes is going to be like, for more info, head to bravotv.com at the end of the episode. No, thank you. No, thank you. But let's see. We stew, We see in previews for next week that Mark is being awful and Cynthia looks like getting engaged. So that is Atlanta. Okay, Orange County. Now the finale episode I thought was interesting. I thought it was good. I didn't think the season was that bad. I think this is actually the best season we've had in, like, three seasons. Now, I also think it was terrible. <laughs> that said, I think it wasn't great. But I think, compared to the last two or three seasons, this was the best one. I think this was the best season since Heather DeBro. Still a fucking mess, okay? I'm not giving it too much credit. It was still a fucking mess. This whole season, the casting's a mess. The fights are a mess. But I still think it was, like... The best in a few seasons. Anyway, so we open with Shannon on a date with this guy Duff, who I didn't remember from early on in the series. And when they were talking, I had thought that Duff was gay because he kept asking about like her other dating situations and who she's dating. And I didn't. I thought it was weird that he was bringing that up if on a date. I, I just thought he was one of her friends based off of the questioning. I wasn't stereotyping. I was just basing it off of the questions he was asking, because I thought, why would you ask that on a date with someone? It was weird to me. But he was cute. He was handsome. Anyway, then we cut to Gina packing. Apparently, her and Matt, they're going to move in together again. And Emily is there, and she's just nodding, nodding along. And then they're packing up all of Gina's things. Gina has signs all over the place. Home Goods just threw up over that fucking casita. And they were packing signs. It was literally, we were watching a scene of her packing word art. And one of the signs said something along the lines of like, we were together and forget the rest, which that's not a life motto. Spoiler alert, Gina, you better find some new signs because these signs aren't leading you in the right direction. I I feel bad I want to root for Gina, but she's listening to too many signs and her sides don't make any goddamn sense. We're together and forget the rest? But what the fuck does that mean? Maybe I'm misread it or something, but that didn't make any fucking sense to me. We're together and forget the rest? You shouldn't forget the rest. I don't think that you should hold a grudge, but if somebody does you wrong, you need to remember, Gina. Don't just listen to your sign that you bought at HomeGoods for four ninety nine and forget the rest. You need to remember. Well, quite frankly, Gina, you need to remember a lot of the things that are going on in your life so you make better decisions in the future. And I'm rooting for you, girl. Well, I'm right behind you. but. Uh, maybe just don't listen to all these signs and maybe curate a little bit more. I always say this, but when you're at Home Goods, you need to curate the goods. Don't just throw everything in the cart willy-nilly. That's when you end up with signs that say things like we were together and forgot the rest. If you were curating, if you had a friend with you or someone helping you at Home Goods, you'd find some really cute word art, some good stuff you'd put in there and some of it would have great life lessons that you could look at and you could take with you going forward. Uh, But when you just throw things in there willy nilly, then you're just going to end up with these signs that are leading you in the wrong direction. They're guiding you down, down wrong paths. And we need to get Gina back on track. We need to get her back on track. She needs to cool it with the word art too. If she's going to be picking these shitty phrases. Another sign that was near Emily, it said something and I paused it. I was trying to understand. It said like laugh, dance in the dark, cherish the moments, forgive and forget. And let me just say something about that kind of sign work there's too many lessons on it. So some of those lessons might be okay, but there's too many to really breathe in. You see what I'm saying? So when you're decorating your house with the word art, you have to make sure you don't just find a sign that's got a hundred different things on it, because then you're just glazing over it because there's too many life lessons. You need something with a succinct life lesson on it, and not just a million like, laugh, dance, cherish, love. Like That's too many things to do and then you just don't do any of them. You see what I'm saying? So you got to be careful. So enough is enough, Gina, with the word art. Uh, Emily even says to her, like, has Matt really changed? I, I'm worried about it. And luckily, we see at the end that it seems like they're not together. Uh, and I feel bad. I mean, all that stuff that they showed at the title card at the end, it was it was sad. Anyway, then we cut to Dr. Deb and... Bronwyn, who I had even forgot Bronwyn was on the show. I mean, truly, when they cut to that scene, I was like, "Wait!" <laughs> and it's only been a week since I've seen an episode, and I like truly forgot this week that Bronwyn was on the show. And then all of a sudden, I heard these like noises. It was like "Watsi ama ayaya ama bateo gonna bateo watsi." They were talking like a fucking Furby from 1998, and it was the yoga class. And I'm sorry, maybe they were saying something. I didn't understand what they were saying. They sounded like my Furby from 98. That's what all I heard. Remember those Furbies, the voice box? It was sometimes when I go home for, uh, to visit, my mom still has one of the old Furbies in one of the old bedrooms and it's got an old voice box. So it just goes, tse, woo, ah, bah. but anyway, they sound like they were doing yoga, the Furbies with Dr. Deb, because that's what they were doing. They were just making noises and. It reminded me of that scene in the movie, The Proposal, you know, with Betty White, Queen Icon Legend and, uh, QIL, Sandra Bullock. That movie is fantastic, but Betty White's characters doing that kind of like weird. <laughs> you know, that dancing scene. That's what it reminded me of, Dr. Deb. Uh, but I don't know. Dr. Deb's looks are just a lot for me to take in. Visually, it's like a lot going on. And previously in episodes of Dr. Deb, I paused it and I've tried to break down what she's wearing. But it's too much for my eyes at this point. And it seems like it's a lot of looks for attention. You know what I'm saying? Like when people wear so much stuff, it's not a very cohesive look. And I don't know that it's like your natural style, but who am I to judge? I have terrible styles, so who am I to judge? Anyway, we cut to Emily and she's at the doctor. She's irritable because she's got arthritis. And let me just say she this chronic pain she's dealing with, I feel bad for anyone with any sort of chronic pain. It's not easy. To be in constant pain and to not know like what day you'll wake up and feel okay or not okay. I have some friends in my life who have uh, some chronic pain issues, and uh, it just seems like the worst. If any of you are out there dealing with it, I send my love because you wake up and you don't know if you're going to feel good that day. And then you always just have like this lingering pain like that's a nightmare and it's not okay. So I feel bad. Anyway, she needs to have her hip replaced. And it was sad because she was trying to hold back the tears from the daughter, but she couldn't. She called Shane, too, meanwhile. And his first response is, you let it go on way too long. And I thought, Shane, fuck you. I'm so pissed at him. So pissed at him. Anyway, then we cut to Vicky's engagement party. There's drinks at the party. They're all named like Whoop It Up and "Trace Amigas. Vicky's brother flew in. And uh, let's see, everyone arrives. Gina admits that she's made terrible hair choices this season. Also, also as people arrived, Shannon was yelling "bam." <laughs> you could hear Shannon in the background. Like anyone, any any anyone got out of the car, Shannon would just go "bam." <laughs> uh, I do like how Orange County always gets the cast together for these finale parties, and they usually have a lot of side characters, which I appreciate. Orange County does a good job at their finale work, you know. Anyway, Duff then is there. This guy with Shannon sing. And it was revealed that he had a child with Tammy Knickerbocker. And I, it was like all things that I completely wiped from my memory. It was shocking to me. Um, anyway, Tamra's like losing it over Kelly because she's pissed about the legal bill stuff. And we had seen them make up. It appeared as though they had made up and they were friends again. But now Tamra's bringing it all back up. And oh, I'm so sick of Tamra. <laughs> so sick of Tamra. So sick of it. Anyway, she's like revving herself up the whole party she's getting drunker and drunker and she's like seething at Kelly and Kelly Dodd, meanwhile is just at the hoedown trying to enjoy herself and Tamara is like losing it at her and they're blaming Kelly for the stuff that's happening with Jim Bellino but then Emily rightfully points out or at least I thought it was rightfully in the confessional that Kelly has nothing to do with that like the uh Bellino is suing them for other stuff that happened So Kelly really had nothing to do with it. Yeah, she tweeted something about it, but I don't know that that had an effect on the lawsuit. I don't know that for sure. But that's what it seemed like Emily had said in the confessional, right? And also, it's just like, I don't know. I'm just so sick of Tamara. And Tamara makes me hate Shannon so much more. I don't know. I don't know. Vicky, meanwhile, gave a speech. Did you guys catch her speech? She said, in 2016, I did a vision board. And then we see a flashback of Vicky talking about her vision board and how she put George Clooney in the middle. And let me tell you something. If I got a genie and I made a wish, one of my three wishes, and one of them was for George Clooney and Steve showed up, not okay. I'd say return to sender. I need a new wish. Because that's what Vicky's leading us to believe. And Steve Lodge is not George Clooney. I'm sorry. He's not. George Clooney's a stud, a forever stud. And Steve is not. I don't, I'm i skeptical of this Steve. I don't like I never liked that Steve. I'm not sure why. I don't really know why. Um, I do have to say though, while Tamara was getting more and more pissed at Kelly Dodge, Shannon lit her hair on fire and I laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> that was classic housewives when Shannon was like complaining about another housewife and then her hair just got on fire. I thought, bravo, this was a perfect moment. It was good. There were some good moments in this finale. Also when Tamara ran in the bush. Really loved when she ran in that bush. And again, I mentioned it earlier, but when we heard Shannon in a very different voice say, everyone, please help yourself out to the buffet. It was a new voice. (laughs) It was a moment. It reminded me of Cindy Barship on Roni saying, you know what, Jill, take it off your head. A little moment that I fell in love with. Anyway, uh, Brian's meanwhile at this event with Kelly Dodd. And it's interesting because we know they're not together in real time. I don't know. They all fight again. It's kind of it's kind of whatever. We get those title cards at the end and it's revealed that Emily's recovering from hip surgery and Shane failed the bar 3 times. Wow, Shane. Wow. Wow, Shane. Wow. Wow, Shane. Wow. He failed the bar 3 fucking times. After giving her so much shit about like everything that they went through, Shane, you didn't even pass that. Come on. Now, I'm not saying I would pass the bar, but he gave Emily such a hard time as he was studying for the fucking bar. What was he doing in that hotel room? Was he studying? Was it just not going in the head? How do you fail three times? He was away studying. He didn't even have to deal with the kids or nothing. He was just studying, and he still passed. He still failed it. Not okay. Then Tamra's title card. It says the lawsuit's still ongoing. Bronwyn. I don't even give a shit. I, I, you guys. I don't know about Bronwyn. I don't think I want her back. I was kind of bored by her. Um. Let's see. And then Gina's title card was upsetting. It said. Before Matt moved back to, back in, he was arrested for domestic violence and pleaded guilty. Uh, I just hope Gina gets away from him, this asshole. Finds a new man that treats her right and all of that. Then, uh, Shannon's title card says she's seeing uh, a guy named John. She hasn't seen death again. Uh, and then, you guys, the episode ends with Vicky getting in the limo with Steve, but she has no title card. Wow. Vicky, wow. That's the Orange County finale. Okay, briefly, I just want to talk about The Real Houses of Orange County Reunion, Part 1. Really? F*** <laughs> First of all, I think it's very interesting that they're giving us all parts of the reunion within like a week. I find that kind of thrilling. Uh, And the preview is great. I think what's most interesting to me is the whole Vicky aspect. And they kept cutting to her backstage, complaining that it's her show and how she feels stupid that she's not on the couch for the whole time. I mean, that stuff is so compelling. I feel like that's they're breaking the fourth wall, and they're giving us all of Monster Vicky in the background. And I found it to be some of the most compelling TV of 2019. I mean, Vicky breaking down. When she said she feels like a bottom feeder. Oh my god. And she said, this show has gone downhill because I'm not the leader. She said, if you don't want me anymore, let me go and grace you guys. I was dying. The ego. She said then when she finally got on the couch, she said to Andy, my temperature is at 150. Don't do this to me. Not good. I could not believe it. And then and then Andy looks at Vicky and he says uh, that someone named Jane Rowe filed a lawsuit against Bravo. And then he says, and Jane Rowe was you, Vicky. Ah, oh, you guys. You guys. It was thrilling to view. No matter what you thought about this season of Orange County, seeing Vicky fall in from Grace this way. Uh, You guys, and I wonder, where is she going to go next season? Are they going to have her on? Will she be back at all? What's happening? What is She kept calling it her show. And then Bronwyn at one point, who I I agree with Vicky, like Bronwyn's been around one season, like calm down. Bronwyn said when people ask her about the show, she said it's like family and they're like my sisters. And I thought, Bronwyn, hold the brakes here pump the breaks. you've been here one season, like they're not your family, they're your coworkers. like that was weird to me. Vicky was right. I was like siding with Vicky at that point. I was like, Bronwyn, it's not your show. Then there was like a lot of arguing with Kelly, uh, they were arguing about businesses. Vicky said, "Oh, another water brand, Yay. <laughs> I was dying. I was dying. And uh, you guys, for what you want about Vicky, whatever you say about her, she was bringing it this reunion. Remember that one reunion where she was on Xanax and she was just so subdued? This was definitely not Xanax Vicky. She was back and badder than ever, in my opinion. Um, Anyway, they were all going after Kelly, except for Emily, who seemed to be siding with Kelly, which I like because I'm really into Emily and Kelly right now. I like their friendship. Uh, But Shannon even lost her cool at one point, in which she had been doing a little bit more of a calm voice, but then finally Shannon Bedore with that voice came out and she said, Stop saying you know! You don't know! Shannon Bedore is gonna lose her cool! Ah! <laughs> she, <laughs> she was losing it. She was losing it. Uh, but I was happy to have that side of Shannon back, too. I, we need Shannon on our own next season. We need her without the Trace Abuelas. We need uh, Shannon solo, because I feel like Shannon will shine. I really do. I really, really do. Anyway, yeah, they they fought about the businesses. Uh, they said to Kelly that her water was on clearance on the end cap. And Kelly's like, well, yeah, it's on the fucking end cap. Like That is an accomplishment, a target to get on the end cap. And so, I don't know. We'll see. Kelly said back to Tamara, go sell another Groupon to your gym no one goes to. <laughs> I died. I died. And then Vicky said that when she was uh, arguing with Kelly, she said, were you or she was talking, I think, to Emily. She said, were you there when Kelly drew a pig on a car and said it was me? And like, (laughs) it's like, what are we talking about here? These shows are crazy. (laughs) I love it. And then they flash back to Kelly drawing a pig on a car before she smashed it and saying it was Kelly. (laughs) I I could not. They were just arguing with the businesses and their wealth. Vicky said to Kelly, you're a renter. And then she said, get her off my show in regards to Bronwyn. And I I would be honest, I would like Bronwyn off the show. Anyway, the reunions aren't fun to really recap anyway. I know we're not really going to be able to recap them because I'm on holiday break. But uh, they're not super fun to recap. I love watching a reunion, uh, but they're not so fun to recap. But um, this one, I thought it was thrilling. I'm so excited for parts two and three. Uh, And then Dallas is only going to have a two-part reunion, which is interesting to me. Anyway, on part two of the Orange County reunion... As Sean, um, it's revealed that Bronwyn has to answer about Sean's statement necklaces, and I'm very excited about that. I want some answers. Why was Sean wearing so much statement jewelry? Why was he wearing the Heart of Tafiti around his neck the whole season? I don't know. I need answers. So that was the Orange County reunion. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everything iconic. So I don't like to talk to you, bro, because you really break my heart. Hmm. Don't make him upset. Though. You know, and I miss you, bro. And you gotta, you gotta stay strong. All right. I'm doing everything I could, man. Enough is enough for this shit, man. I know, but just be strong. One minute remaining. Love you, Love you too. Jersey time. Okay, now I don't know if you guys saw the news, but Joe and Teresa announced their separation. They just announced their separation, so no shit, is what I say to that. And I hope they find happiness. And I hope uh, Teresa moves on with that hot new man, Tony, the pool guy. That's who we want her to be with. He is sexy. Uh, We open this week's episode with Melissa cooking, of course, meat. We see a lot of meat work happening in Jersey all the time. And I like all the food porn on Jersey. Show me more of it. I like seeing them cooking. I like Nono in the kitchen. I don't know if I need to see Nono chugging straight from a bottle of sriracha. But I do like seeing all the food. I like it. Now, Joe Gorga arrives home and he tells Melissa about Joe Giudice and how the appeal got denied. Uh, Do you guys follow Joe Gorga on Instagram? It's so funny. Like, he posts these photos with like inspirational word art, and it's very odd, but I'm captivated by it. It'll just be like a shirtless photo of Joe, which I love to see it. Uh, But then it'll have some like random quote, like, work hard. I don't know. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, Then we cut to Dolores and Frank. They're buying lights. I don't know. if I'm kind of bored by Dolores' storylines lately. And I love Dolores, too, by the way. Like I've always loved Dolores, but I don't know. Something's not working for me this season with Dolores. I don't know if I'm tired of seeing the Frank Sr. stuff. I don't know. Uh, We cut to Jennifer. She's at the house with her nanny. Her daughter, Gabby, is getting bullied. And a kid hit her with a ball, and fuck those kids who hit that little girl with the ball. Those little bullying shits. I would not be able to handle it if my kid was getting bullied. I don't have children, but I can only imagine how frustrated it'd be as a parent to see your kid getting bullied. It's like not okay, and you would get. I would get livid. Anyway, Jennifer's brother's there. He's a music teacher, and he's a gay. And apparently. Jennifer and his parents don't talk about it or speak of it, which is very sad to me. And the brother says he's okay with it, but I know he's not. As a gay person, I know he's not. And we all go through certain things like that during the coming out process. And some parents take things better than others, and some parents move on more quickly than others and accept it more quickly than others. It just makes me so sad that the parents don't acknowledge it or talk about it. And Jennifer said to him at one point, like, what happens when you're in a relationship? Like, are you still not going to talk about it? And he says, like, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And ah, that made, that broke my heart. When I came out to my parents, I like came roaring out of the closet and I like was told them everything. I was like, I'm dating this guy right now and you're going to know about him. And I like kind of threw it in their faces a little bit. Like, because i knew that if i didn't if i didn't talk about a relationship or a date or something like that i knew that i would be in a situation like that because i come from a conservative family and i unfortunately knew that that's how they would be if i didn't kind of throw it in their face so even when i started dating matt which was years after i'd come out but i remember him coming home with me for christmas and i just sort of like threw it's not like we're sucking dick in front of their faces you know <laughs> Excuse my French. But I tried to like be comfortable showing my relationship and, and all of my gayness to them because otherwise I knew that it would be a situation like that where it was like we never talk about it. And that was not okay to me. I felt like when I came out, once I was out, I wasn't going back in. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't not be gay. After going through that so many years of like shoveling it down or or pretending you're not. I thought, there's no way, even uh, my mom at certain points had asked me to like not talk about a relationship or not talk about being gay in front of certain family members. And it's impossible. Once you're out of the closet, you can't do that. It's not healthy. It's not healthy to keep it all in. Anyway, it was a beautiful moment because Jennifer told Gabby, her daughter, who had asked if her uncle was gay, Jennifer said, yeah. And it was a beautiful moment. And I thought Jennifer handled it wonderfully. And it was like almost an accidental real moment that happened on the Real Houses in New Jersey. I don't know. It made me cry. I <laughs> just, I cried a lot this episode. But it was like a real moment that snuck in, and I thought it was beautiful how Jennifer handled it. And it seemed very natural. It didn't seem like that any of them knew they were on camera. It just seemed great. I don't know. I hope we see more of this storyline because I want the parents to accept the son. I do. So then we cut to Danielle and Teresa getting drinks. We learn more about the Marty stuff. Teresa asked, she said, are you together with Marty? And Danielle was so fucking dramatic, just goes, oh. Uh. <laughs> she just let out a long ass sigh. And then she answered. It was like she kept doing these long sighs every time Teresa would say something. Oh. Uh. She's such a her life, her life is crazy. And she's apparently with Marty and this Oliver, man. She's with two men. <laughs> oh, what a mess. What a mess. Teresa offered to let Danielle stay with her, and I was like, that's not a good situation, Tree. You have enough going on. Those girls do not need Danielle as a motherly figure in their life, or someone just staying at the house. There's no reason Danielle Staub should be staying with you. Let her get a hotel. Let her stay with anyone else. Those girls that you are raising have been through enough. They do not need Danielle Staub around the house. It's not okay. If I could offer any advice, maybe just don't have Danielle stay with you. We don't need it adriana has been through enough. She don't need to be walking out of her room and see Danielle stop uh, putting on her lashes or whatever. <laughs> <She> <laughs> don't need it. Anyway, then we cut to Marlini and Marge hanging out. They're getting ready because Marty's coming over. There's this thing about the house. So, like, apparently, Marty and Danielle are fighting over the two million dollar house, which is interesting to me. Um, but Marty did agree that he fucked Danielle, so that was like up in the air. No one knew. He admitted to it, so now it's out in the open. Then we cut to Jackie with her dad. And this was an interesting side of Jackie, because I've really not liked Jackie this entire season. And this whole scene, I really fell in love getting to know a little bit more about Jackie and seeing what she's been through in terms of her eating problem. And the dad said, they're watching this video. The dad made Jackie watch this video of her overweight as a teenager. And the dad said, it was almost worth it what you went through, meaning the eating disorder was worth it, because look at you now, he said. And uh, that was so hard to hear. And I think that for anyone that hasn't ever gone through eating issues or an eating disorder, they just don't get it. And so like I, it was very inappropriate what the dad said, but also I just don't think he got it. And I almost understood that because I feel like it's hard for anyone to understand eating issues unless they've gone through it themselves. Because it really becomes an obsession for anyone who's been anorexic or bulimic, it becomes an obsession and you can't stop thinking about it or talking about it. What you eat, when you eat, how you eat, how people are seeing you eat is literally all that consumes you. And so I just don't think he understands the weight of that. The weight of that. that, is that a pun? That's a pun, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to, but you know, I don't think he gets it. And so I don't know, it's interesting. This was real life stuff. This whole episode, I thought, was an excellent episode. It wasn't a whole lot of like group drama, but it was like real life stuff that I I found really, really good. Now, they're all getting ready for Easter. Teresa's putting together Easter baskets. uh, And it's revealed that Joe, her husband, is mad at her for not making him a citizen. So he blamed her for that, even though it's his fault. Joe Chidiche, fuck him. I mean, I know he's pissed, but I was mad at him for blaming Teresa for not making him a citizen. These people need to take responsibility for themselves. I mean, he has. I guess he's in prison. Uh, anyway, then, uh, let's see. It's Easter. I miss Christmas on Jersey. That's what I miss. Like, it was nice seeing Easter, but I do miss when we used to see, uh, Jersey Christmas. Anyway, it's revealed that they're all hiding things from Adriana. And I sort of understand, but also I worry about it. Just not a good situation. It's not. I'm worried about Adriana. He was crying later in the episode. We'll get there, Uh, but I'm worried about her. Meanwhile, Dolores. She said she hired someone to cook. She said she, uh, when she first got married, she felt like she had something to prove with Frank, and then she decided to stop driving herself nuts. She said the marriage is over now. I'm hiring catering, and I got that. I got that. And then there was an Easter egg hunt, which I gotta say, I love an Easter egg hunt. When I was younger, we're gonna do a little detour. My dad was part of this like (laughs) this club. It was like a city club called the Solon Italian Club. So it was like a, a club for Italian people. I don't know. But he was a part of it. And at one point, I think he was like the president of it. Anyway, there was an Easter egg hunt every year. And I remember the a few years, like I think when my dad was the president of this club, we would go and we would fill the Easter eggs the night before the hunt. And we would fill it with candy. And for me, this was a dream come true because it was just like they got so much candy because they had to fill so many eggs. And then it was my job to fill it with candy. And mostly I was just eating the candy. But I remember we went to like this city hall room or something and we were filling all the empty eggs. And then the next day was the egg hunt. And I remember every year they would have this really old Italian man dress up in the Easter Bunny costume. And he would <laughs> like a really old, it was like Nono dressed in like one of those big Easter Bunny costumes. Like picture that. It was literally like Nono in an Easter bunny costume. And then he would like throw out the eggs and then he would like go behind the building of the park and he would take off that heavy fucking mask and he would just smoke a cigarette and have a cocktail. And see, like us kids, we would see this old man um, just like smoking a cigarette around the corner, like holding his Easter bunny face. And it was kind of traumatizing as a child. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I was a young kid. I'm like, ma, like who is this? Uh, why is um why is his name was I think Frankie too? I was like, why is Frankie uh, just smoking a cigarette and having um having a cocktail? I thought it, this was the Easter Bunny, um, so it was traumatizing. But anyway, uh, let's see. Melissa and Joe Gorga they head on over to Teresa's. They bring sprinkle cookies. Uh, I miss when Melissa and Teresa fought, you guys, because I really don't think they like each other at all. They're up pretending, but. I miss when they fought. It was such a good TV. They showed a little flashback to it when they hated each other on TV, and it was great TV. It really was. Uh, meanwhile, Nono's not feeling well. He's like breathing really heavy. He's drinking hot sauce straight from the bottle. And it's also sad. Joe calls from prison or from ICE. <sighs> Adriana told him he makes better lamb chops. I was crying. Then meanwhile, it's like the saddest fucking thing. And then you hear on the phone like that robot voice. It'd be like, one minute remaining. Or even when Joe called, it was like, this is a call from... And then he's like, Joe. And he sounded so disgusted. But we keep getting interrupted in these like very dramatic moments. to be like, 20 seconds left. And it made me sad. It was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. When Adriana said, I love you, Daddy, I lost it. I think it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen on Housewives. Adriana is collateral damage in this... Fucked up situation, and I just feel so bad for that little girl. I feel bad for all of those little girls, but Adriana breaks my fucking heart. That little girl is just having to deal with all of these things. For what? For what? Uh, Anyway, I was sobbing. Joe gave a speech about family, and I got chills again. And he said that these sprinkle cookies are never gonna break us apart again. And then they all eat a sprinkle cookie, even Teresa. Oh, you guys. Wow, sprinkle cookies. Wow, I just thought. This was a sad episode. I was in tears so much. Real-life stuff going on. Anyway, next time we have Melissa pretending that she's maybe going to get pregnant, and then we have the Margaret and Danielle fight. Very excited about that. So that was New Jersey. Let's move on to Dallas. I didn't mean it Mexican in a derogatory way, or I wouldn't speak Mexican. Leanne is not a racist. I know she's not, but I know she did not use her words properly and she has to fix that. I'm 100% not okay with me using the word Mexican. With you wearing the word Mexican. I'm not racist. Well, that doesn't have anything to do That's with ridiculous how you because I'm that not has racist. Nothing to do, that conversation, though, that just has nothing to do with you. Yeah, but I'm not going to own that I'm racist. That's ridiculous. It's Dallas time, y'all. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to quickly plug the Everything Iconic Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Everything you can pledge $4 or more per month. And if you do, you get access to all of the bonus episodes. I'm doing just one bonus episode a month. More importantly, the money helps to support this podcast. So thank you to everyone who uh is over there and supports Everything Iconic. I really appreciate it. And I'm doing a bonus episode recapping the Vanderpump Rules Season 2 finale, which is wild. That's the one where Tom Sandoval punches Jax after it's revealed that Kristen slept with Jax. It is a doozy. the <laughs> doozy. So... Uh, that will be December's bonus episode. And then there'll be just one a month, uh, afterwards. And there's a bunch on there from previous months. I've recapped everything from early episodes of Beverly Hills, Orange County. I've done all of season one and two of New York. Roni's my favorite, you know. Anyway, let's get into Dallas. Now, Dallas, the whole storyline so far is about Leanne possibly being racist. Of course, she said all these things about Carrie and her, uh, ethnicity. And it's been all very inappropriate. It's been hard to watch. And honestly, I don't know if we've seen a housewife fall this hard so fast since someone like maybe Jill Zarin. I had seen someone had tweeted about it and I totally agreed. It was like, I don't know. I can't remember a time a housewife who was seemingly like the breakout star of the franchise and they've fallen so hard. I mean, this was like, this whole season's been tough to watch Leanne, but then. Particularly this episode, she was saying certain things like when she was defending herself, and she said she's even uh, sat on Julio Iglesias' lap, and uh, it was all cringy. It was cr- it was cringeworthy, and I was very happy that Cameron had like confronted her because I had said last week on the show it was weird to me that Leanne had been saying these things to Cameron and to Stephanie, and neither one of them had said anything. It m- made it weirder, <laughs> weirder, weirder, weirder anyway, let's talk about this episode. So we first see Deandra in her office. And you know that iconic photo of her and Mama D? It <laughs> looks like a Sears Portrait Studio photo. And uh, Jeremy had taken one of himself and hung it right next to that. And I just thought that was really funny. It made me laugh. Um, <laughs> Mama D and DeAndre's storyline, though, I felt like it went nowhere. I felt like in general, Dallas this season, a lot of the storylines that were presented just seemingly went nowhere. And felt like we ended without wrapping much up. I don't know. It was maybe it was too fast or I don't know what was wrong with the season, but it felt very disjointed to me and very, it felt cheap to me and it felt just odd and off and weird. And I don't know what was going on with Dallas this season. If it was the cast, they need to just completely recast or what's going on, but it was weird. Anyway, we see Stephanie at her house. She has Leanne over. She had just gotten back from vacation. And Stephanie said she didn't have time to get to the grocery store, so she just made a chips platter, and it was just like Doritos and Lay's, and I loved it. I love Stephanie. (laughs) I love Stephanie. Uh, And then Leanne says that she's being targeted by all the women. And Cameron had said, she said the reason why she didn't tell Carrie was because she knew it would hurt Carrie. I don't know that I buy that. Like I think that was bullshit. I think... I really believe what I said last week on the show was like, I don't know that they all thought this would be a storyline. And then once they figured it out, it was like, okay, now let's distance ourselves from Leanne. Uh, But I think that might be why they didn't confront her, because it seems weird to me that they didn't say anything. Anyway, then we cut to Brandy at cheer camp with Brooklyn. I'm loving Brandy this season. I really fell for her this season, and I never really cared for her, but now I'm fully on board with Brandy uh i wouldn't be that devastated if she wasn't back next season, just to be clear <laughs> i wouldn't care if they got rid of her, but I did really fall for her. The only person i I think I would be like devastated if they got rid of stephanie that's it, and maybe and Cam a little bit Cam a little bit anyway, then we cut to Carrie with her husband, and she's telling him about how she wants independence. She clearly hates him, like she very much hates her husband it's very obvious to me. And even in a confessional, the producer says, are you going to be with Eduardo forever? And she says, I don't know. And it's like, oh my God, Carrie. <laughs> I don't know. that. When I was watching the scene, I thought, maybe I want Carrie back. I, don't, I didn't like Carrie all season, but then now I'm seeing shades of things that could be interesting in the future. I certainly still don't really like Carrie that much, but I definitely sided with her on this whole Leanne thing. And then seeing her with the husband, I was like, there might be some really good stuff in here. So I don't know that it makes sense to get rid of her. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, she's uh, concerned that he's hiding things from her, her husband. And that's not the base of a good marriage. I mean, that's troublesome. Um, but we'll see what happens. Then we cut to Deandra and Mama D at an off-brand Chili's. and <laughs> I love that D was like, she said Jose was making her a very special drink. And I want to know what it is. I want to know what that cocktail Mama D was drinking. Because I bet it was good. Um, I look to me just like a margarita or like a skinny margarita, which that sounds delicious to me right at this very moment. I wish I had a a skinny margarita. Isn't it weird, you guys? I'm going to get off track for a second, but isn't it weird that we've been watching these housewives for so long? And there was a time when the skinny margarita didn't even exist. And now I order a skinny margarita anytime I'm at a restaurant, I get a margarita and everyone knows what it is. It's like a universal thing now. That Bethany Frankel did on The Real Housewives. Like, that's incredible how far we've come. Oh, I'm gonna miss Bethany. Gonna miss her. Anyway, then uh so Mama D and DeAndre, they talk. Mama D says, of course, some mean things. She's every time she says something nice, she says something mean. She's like, I won't change anything about you at all, except maybe you're eating too many donuts. <laughs> you're eating too many donuts. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mama D, we just needed more of her this season. It was a tragedy. Tragedy. Uh, then we cut to Cameron. She's talking to her husband, Cord, and she says that Leanne called Carrie the C-word, and then um she tells Cord about all the other things that Leanne was saying. And Cord, I think, is the one who maybe encouraged Cam to get it out in the open, and I'm so glad that she did. So then we go to the Bruin family uh, forever party. Brandy's throwing in response to Bruin being uh, one of her own for the past year. And I hope that she brings in Bruin's sibling. Like It seems like it would be a, a awful decision. I mean, she's already got so many kids and that older ones, kind of a nightmare. (laughs) Brooklyn is a little bit of a nightmare, but uh, she's got a lot on her plate, but then the person she adopted Bruin from is having another child that they could have. Uh, It seems like such a hard decision to make. And I hope she does, but I I don't blame her if she doesn't. Anyway, everyone arrives at this party. Leanne brings ping pong paddles as a gift. (laughs) She made me laugh after all the ping pong stuff. She didn't even understand the connection at first. Brandy's like, "Uh, remember we saw sex workers shooting these ping pong balls out of their who house. And Leanne was like, what? And she didn't even put those two and two together, which was funny. Uh, then Cam tells Carrie all the stuff about Leanne. And I felt so bad for Carrie. I did. I imagine hearing like from a friend that somebody else that you know was just saying all these awful things about you. Like that's devastating. And I would cry. I was, Carrie held it together better than I would have because it's heartbreaking to hear anyone say anything mean about you or to you. But to just hear that all on camera, it's very humiliating. And I, I was proud of Carrie for like not breaking down because I would have just been like, Oh my God, it's just awful to have to hear all the things that somebody said about you that was mean. I was definitely, I'm, Team Carrie on this one. Uh also it made me laugh that Cam didn't know what the Alamo was. I just love Cam, you guys. I love her. And she found her voice this season. She did. I thought she had a breakout season. So then they get to the party and Cam confronts Leanne. And then she says like all these things. She said you said uh chirpy Mexican. And then Leanne is like, I don't remember saying that. And then she said you also said uh tough or strong or whatever. And Leanne's like, I don't remember saying that either. And then Carrie, when she finally came over and Carrie said, I heard you said this, these things about me, Leanne's like, well, yeah, I did. She admitted to it. So she did know. She knew she said that stuff. And how could you know that you said that stuff and not feel like it was a mistake? And then when she was defending herself in the confessionals, Leanne, and she was saying like, I'm not racist. It's like, well, we we need you to understand that you said inappropriate things, and it feels like you don't. It, I mean, it. it's clear that you don't. Like She didn't get it. And that was maybe the issue I found most troubling. Uh, anyway, then uh, right as things are starting to get juicy, Brandy's like, let's get the kids out of here. Do you notice that? Which, good, always get the kids out. Now, they're all talking as a group, and Stephanie comes clean and says, she also heard Leanne say these things about Carrie, and I was proud of Stephanie, although I wish Stephanie would have came clean earlier. I still worship her, Queen Icon Legend, but still. Then uh, Cameron and Leanne are still talking. Cameron says that Leanne should be afraid of her, and then Leanne laughs at her. Cam's at least on the right side of history on this one. I was happy for her. Uh Then, as they're all grouping up, Leanne, her defense was that she grew up with a Mexican family, and she admitted to saying these things. And then in her confessional, she said, I mentioned this before, she says, I slept with plenty of Mexican, hot fucking lovers, sat in Julio Iglesias' lap. And look, that's not a defense to these racist things you've said or these inappropriate things you've said. And it's just such a weird thing to do, Uh, a weird thing to say, a weird defense. It's not a defense. And then DeAndra says, in today's climate, you can't say things like that. And DeAndra's just really loving this moment. You know that. Like aside from anything, DeAndre was loving that. Leanne was in the hot seat and DeAndre could say something to her. Cause you know DeAndra just hates Leanne. And she was really loving it. She was really loving it. So Carrie, meanwhile, just walks away. And I thought that was a very smart move. Just walk away because it made Leanne look even worse. If Carrie would have lost her cool or fought with Leanne, she probably would have gone below the belt. And then we might have been a little bit split. So Carrie made a very intelligent move, I thought, to just walk away. And then Brandy went and checked on her. Leanne kind of went over and apologized, but it was like, she said, I'm sorry if that word offends you. I don't think it was offensive. The music, too, was everything was chilling. You know what was the most chilling part was when Cameron and Leanne were talking and Cord comes over and said, hey, Cameron, can I pull you aside for a second? Rachel wants to talk to you. And then Leanne gets up and walks away. And then Cord says, you need to get away from Leanne. Don't associate with her. And I don't think Cord knew he was on camera. And then Cameron says, well, where is Rachel? Did you want to talk to me? And Cord says, no, I was just getting you away from her. That was chilling. 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 Then we see in the confessionals, the producers ask every one of the ladies if Leanne is racist, and Steph says she's not racist. Brandy says she's uncomfortable answering, so she doesn't give a definitive. And then Cameron says no. He says Leanne's not. DeAndra and Carrie imply or say that she is. It was a chilling sequence, you guys. The music changed everything. Everything. That whole sequence I thought was like compelling TV, but also very hard to watch. But woo. Wow, Dallas Wow. It was it was interesting TV. It really was. And then uh, look, they all group up. Leanne leaves, and Leanne says in her confessional, I'm not a racist. I do bad things, but I'm not a bad person, and there's a difference. And then it ends, and we get the title cards. Leanne's not talking to her mother. DeAndra got a, a gig at HSN and she got the money from Mama D. Cameron's not friends with Leanne but she's close with Carrie. And then Carrie's selling her jewelry. She still didn't buy Leanne a wedding gift. These are are all the title cards that come up at the end of the episode. But then Brandy said she still didn't make a decision about adopting Bruin's sibling, uh, and she might join an adult cheer squad, which which reminded me of that movie Palms. I don't know if you guys have seen it. If not, you should go rent it immediately. I loved it with Diane Keaton, Q-I-L. Anyway, Uh, It's a fantastic movie, and I'd like next season to be about Brandy on an adult cheerleading squad. I'd like it. Uh, Then Stephanie, her title card said she continues therapy and medication. She got a dog. I love Stephanie. God bless her. Love her. Love her. Queen icon legend. Then they all take a photo without Leanne. Is Leanne going to be back next season? What do we think? I kind of think they were setting up for her not being back. She wasn't in the group photo at the end. I don't know how you could come back from this. I mean, it's gonna be tough for somebody to come back, which is shocking because I always loved Leanne on the show. I always thought she was great TV, she was fantastic, I always thought she was really nice. And she seemingly always did a lot of wonderful charity work. I mean, she did do a lot of wonderful charity work for uh LGBT and a lot of other organizations, but the side of her this season was not great. And so I don't know how she comes back from it. If she comes back from it, I'm curious what they'll do with the casting. Well I guess we'll just have to hashtag watch what happens live. <laughs> Anyway, we'll have to head to bravotv.com for more info on Housewives. Um, Anyway, that's Dallas, you guys. So that's the episode. I know we had a lot to chat about. I want to thank you all for listening. Please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook, facebook.com slash Pellegrino. Danny, buy tickets to the live tour, everythingiconic.com. Click on the live shows tab at the top. And please, please, please come out if you can. I'd love to see you. And uh, yeah, let's... All, I hope you have a wonderful holiday and celebrate with family, friends. Find some time to yourself, relax, breathe in, breathe out. I know this time is stressful. So just look in the mirror and remind yourself that you're a queen icon and a legend if you're feeling stressed this holiday. And never forget that you can always go in the corner like Kim Richards did on The Real House of Beverly Hills and say a prayer to yourself near a trash can. It's an okay thing to do. So with that, let's all uh, take a little deep breath in, hold it. Breathe out. Another deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Take one more deep breath in. Clear your mind of all your holiday stress. Breathe out. Take a minute today to just not think of anything you have to do and just uh, relax. Put your feet up. Have a cocktail or a mocktail and enjoy. Love you all. Merry Christmas. Happy holiday. Happy New Year. Talk to you in the, Talk to you in twenty twenty. bye.